Welcome to Real Estate Uncensored, the place for actionable ideas to reach people online, build your personal brand, and get more clients. That is Greg McDaniel, the Junior Grand Master of Sales in the co-pilot seat. And that is Matt Johnson, agency owner, author, microfamous, and certified Greg Wrangler. Each week, you're going to hear from some of the best coaches, leaders, brokers, top producing agents, and social media experts, all with one goal, give you the sales and marketing tactics to up your game today. Okay. Now let's jump back into the latest episode of Real Estate Uncensored. Welcome back to Real Estate Uncensored. We have a great repeat guest. Tom Caffarella is back. We're talking about big capital, what it's doing to real estate. We're talking about what you can do about it, whether you're an agent, and uh, we might get into the investing side a little bit. We're going to talk about the uh, the eviction moratorium and that potentially coming to an end and what Tom has been doing with uh, with his renters and all kinds of stuff. We're going to we're gonna cover a bunch of stuff. Tom is one of those guys that is both has one foot squarely in the investment and the brokerage side, like owning a brokerage in the Boston area has 200 and some agents underneath them. So very much in the residential side and the investing side. And of course, Gene Volpe is here. So we have another East Coast, West Coast <gasps> battle, right? We got a couple of East Coasters on the show. Uh, Greg and I, we may not even get an episode, you know, a word in edgewise in this entire episode, which I'm fine with, by the way. We'll just let, yeah. we'll just let Gene and Tom just um, add to it. Damn, Tom, there's things. no respect coming out of him at all. <laughs> Unbelievable. The amount of bullshit that comes out of this man's mouth is just astronomical. <laughs> by, by the time that, that you guys are waking up, we're halfway through our day, so I'm not really scared of the West Coast too much. <laughs> Well, the junior grandmaster, you are in your co-pilot seat, firmly ensconced uh, up in the Bay Area, where you so belong, very, very far away from me. As uh, as we were Way discussing far. in pre-show, you have your your forty caliber sitting on the counter next to you. You're trying to threaten me with it over a video call, which I thought was very hilarious. Um, I assume you'll be arrested, for, you know, very shortly in the Bay Area there for brandishing, right? Can't brandish. Uh, no, nope. uh, I have to brandish out in the public. So that's inside, right. showing okay. it to you guys is mainly mainly just me just going like, check out my new toy. Mm -hmm. uh, but no, I, I actually carry this thing. I don't actually carry it. I, I keep it next to me all the time uh, when I sleep and everything else. Uh, that's not a joke. Literally not a joke. Uh, but I don't want to talk about me. I want to talk about Tom. I mean, he's a devastatingly handsome man. I mean, you Gene, I, I feel bad for you having to sit next to him on the squares. Matt, I mean, you're a good-looking dude, too. But, I mean, we have three good-looking human beings on this show, and I'm going to take myself out of this. I'm just going to listen to Tom talk. I mean, I just, I'm just i sitting there waiting to sit at his feet and just learn. That's what I'm here to do. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so – how do you make it sound so disingenuous, Greg, while trying to give someone an actual compliment? Oh my I, God. It is genuine, you asshole. God, right. why do you um, right. diminish my comments? My God. Oh, my God. All right. And then Gene, I don't know what Gene's doing. Gene's literally taking you. a phone call during our podcast. The evil, no, I'm, evil I'm ball a, ninja himself. I'm making a phone call. Hold on one second. Yes. Yeah, Governor Newsom. Yep. Yep. No, no, no. I feel threatened. Yeah, because uh, Greg, what's your address? <laughs> you know, I'd like for you to get out there and talk to him for a second. I've been threatened on live. Online, what's up, boys? How he's doing today? Oh, wait, I'm sorry, we're having a miscommunication with you. Oh, his feed just <laughs> failed. I don't know what happened to him. Oh, oh, there he is. He popped back. There he is. Oh my gosh, so strange. Well, the good news is, Greg, thanks to you, 
no one that's listening to this in podcast form will ever know whether we actually lost connection with someone or whether you just unceremoniously <laughs> cut them cut them off at the feed. All right, Tom Caffarella, what's up, man? How are you? What's, what's going on, gentlemen? <laughs> I don't know how gentlemen we are today. That's I was. Uh, I think boys are more appropriate for however we're feeling today. But uh, for anybody that may not have caught your first couple of episodes you've done, we've been on the show multiple times. But for anybody that didn't have uh, the pleasure, the opportunity of listening to those prior episodes, uh, just give us like the 60 second version of who you are, where you are, what you do. So I'm out of the Boston area. I've been an investor and agent now. Um, I mean, I, I used to say 10 years when it was like five years to exaggerate to get myself experience. And now it's like 16 years. And uh, I turned 39 this weekend. So I've got one more year before I'm officially in mid midlife crisis mode. But um, hey, I've always don't been... hate on that. Don't hate on that. No, Trust me. No, I'm, I'm feeling good. So um yeah, I've been I've been investing in and also building my brokerage for a while. Uh, you know, our company does between 150 and 250 fix and flips a year. We've got like Max said, I've got 350 agents as of now, um, and and really just like every year, just trying to make a little bit of progress. You know, in my business, invest, build passive wealth, and help other people build passive wealth in my brokerage and outside of my brokerage. So that's kind of the high level of you know what it, what I do. Awesome. All right. So we've got a lot to get into. So let's start with just just give us a sense of kind of where you're at now in the business. And uh, we, I want to talk more about the leadership and stuff like that later on. But give people kind of a sneak peek into what your days look like right now, like scaling yeah. up a real estate business. Yeah. And, um, you know, we were talking about this before we jumped on for a few minutes. And I feel like I'm at a challenge right now that I haven't really faced before. And it's been probably the hardest thing that I've had to do with building my business. We just try to get people and, and train and mentor people like underneath me. I'm a really, really good worker myself. I love working. I love real estate. So like my first, you know, four five, six years in the business doing everything myself, like, you know, there was no, nobody to, to train or mentor or hire or whatever. And, um, you know, I'm at the point now where like I've hired a lot of people underneath me and we were talking about like me having way too many direct reports. And right now I'm trying to kind of build up like a middle level management within my business to help me kind of succeed. I've got a COO that I just hired, a CFO and a couple other people that are I'm trying to make kind of middle level management. But in terms of my day to day, I spend most of my time trying to figure out like how to build processes for the people that are underneath me and then hire the right people just to help me, you know, like you said, scale my business more than anything else. Yeah. So what, uh, like, how does that actually manifest? What is your, what does an average day in your life look like? How much do you time do you spend like actually digging into the particulars of real estate deals yourself? Uh, is it all spent just with people and, and building out stuff and leading them? Like what's your average day look like right now? Yeah. So the, the analyzing deals, I've got somebody within my company that, that does that for me now, uh, full-time like analyst, when we get an opportunity that comes in, she kind of like does all the work and then I approve it. Like if it's a deal we're going to move forward with. So for the most part, my day-to-day -day comes down to like answering questions from the people that are reporting underneath me, thinking about the ways that we can move the needle in, in the business. There's, um, a book that I've been following, um, I, f I forget the exact name of it, but it's like, you know, your your business is a leaky bucket. And I'm at the point right now where like, 
when I've, I'm kind of like a run and gun type of person where like, Mm -hmm. I don't like details and I don't pay attention to like the little stuff. And, um, over the past few years, like I've realized like how much money I've kind of left on the table by not focusing on the details. And Mm -hmm. so right now I'm going through like all areas of my business, all people in my business, all the way that we're working to say, Hey, if we just got like 10% better conversion here, or if we just tighten up this one system, like. I'm at the point now where some of those tweaks can mean literally like millions of dollars. So that's what I'm kind of trying to fine tune um, within my own market right now. Love it. All right. So I want to come back to that. And I want to talk about some of the leadership and hiring and all that stuff. We can nerd on that for a long time. But uh, let's talk a little bit just about something super, super timely, which is the eviction moratorium and the chance that that might either expire. Run. I'm not, I don't know what the exact like legislative details. It sounds like it's something that was set to expire, that maybe they'll renew it at the 11th hour or something like that. But anyway, this is something that's been kind of hanging over, I guess, everyone's head. Um, yeah. Obviously, the renters, then you've got, you know, like I think people have the misconception, which Chris Noggle talked about this on the show and helped us kind of break out of this misconception that, you know, everything is owned by these big, massive investors. And a lot of real estate or most real estate even is just owned by mom and pop investors that have a handful of properties, or maybe they have one side property or something like that. And 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 they're the ones that are being squeezed by the more moratoriums on evictions. Like they can't kick people out. They're not making money from the rental property and they're squeezed by all this too. So, uh, so how have you been dealing with it? And what's the, uh, we can talk about the implications of it, but what are you guys doing right now for your renters? So we kind of, it's interesting because like I've, we, we built up a pretty good size rental property portfolio in the greater Boston area. And, um, you know, I think it's interesting because like state to state, all of the stuff changes so dramatically. Um, and it's something that like, if somebody was just starting, like I would really heavily consider like, what are the laws in that area? Because like you said, most people who own residential multifamilies are just mom and pop people who can't withstand, you know, a lot of this type of stuff. And, I know a lot of people who got, you know, really damaged from all this moratorium stuff. And again, I think it's like a state by state thing that's just such a variable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Um, I've got a good friend here that had been living in San Diego. He just moved out, but all of his investment properties are in Omaha and in Texas. Uh, And that's a big reason why. I mean, he basically said, like, look, I'll never buy. I have like no intention of ever buying in California, whether to live or to rent, because the rules are so insanely tilted that that just it doesn't make a lot of sense to be a landlord uh, in California, which is funny because I ran into I ran into a kid uh, outside the grocery store one time. This was about five months ago. I don't think I told you about this, Greg. But he uh, he was he was offering he was offering a petition to recall a politician. I'm like, oh, let me sign that. Recall them all. So I'm like, why? Why? So after I signed it, I'm like, why in particular this particular politician? Why are we recalling this person? And he's like, well, because they didn't vote for X, Y and Z that made it um, that put more rules on developers to make sure that they have like low income housing as a part of their development. And I'm like, do you know any developers? Like, do you know people who build real estate? He's like, no. I'm like, <laughs> so these are like my friends and clients, right? He's like, okay. I'm like, do you realize like how many people wish they could build in California, but it's too expensive and they can't do it? It's like, mm. no. What do you mean? 
<laughs> like, like you're volunteering your time standing outside of a grocery store, getting somebody to sign something. And you've literally, you don't know anyone who's ever tried to build real estate in California. You have no idea what the F you're talking about. Uh, I thought it was hilarious. Uh, but I'm, yeah, I'm it's, sorry, um, Matt. What, what, what does the F you're talking about mean? I, I I don't understand your vernacular. He doesn't he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Has oh, that, that oh, better? Okay, that better okay, me? good. Okay, now we can talk. Okay, good. Tom has kids in the background. We got to keep it. Got to keep it down. We got to keep the. No, uh, well, you know. Gene's laughing. I mean, I mean, come on. <laughs> Tom's sitting there going like, "What the shit am I doing?" This show? Oh my god! I'm going to tell you why I'm laughing. I think it's important to realize that I I'm, I got my uh, Gringo game out. And I don't have anything. I don't have anything on there when Matt says "fuck." So I'm, I'm laughing because I gotta change something out now. I got it all for you. He said it first. He's screwing mm-hmm. my game up. Exactly. All right. So Gene, well, well, the nose pinch thing—that's got to be me. So, so, Gene, you have, yeah. you have to you have to explain what exactly this uh, game you're t- you're explaining really quickly. I hope by now everybody's playing along, but it's a it's a bingo in the form of Greg, so we call it Gringo. <laughs> And throughout the show, there's just different things that we're going to be checking off, and whoever gets Gringo first wins a free hat. I don't know. Oh, I hope it's you go fuck yourself. Free hat. <laughs> Is that yeah, when there's one towards letter? Gringo? What a free! Oh, I know. You win a free a free copy of uh, Give me a good book, Greg. Uh, what would be a good go book that no. we could give away. Go what? for no. No, another book that we have at our disposal that we could give away. Oh, I oh wait, hold on, wait, wait. Please wait for the okay. panel to come up, come alive. There oh. is a wonderful, wonderful little pamphlet that I've heard of. It's called Microfamous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I tricked is you that, into that. Is that, that what you're going? <laughs> there it is. Mentions Microfamous. Yeah, Thank you, sir. Funny. Yeah. Oh my God. Thank you, Greg. Well, I appreciate it. Now I get a chance to give away my book to uh, to listeners if they get gringo bases off of the insane things you say. All right, I like that. All right, let's get into big capital. So, Tom, what uh, what are you seeing? It sounds like there is a lot of uh, venture capital making its way in through private equity. There's um, you know big equity groups and stuff like that. There's there's venture capital going into Silicon Valley into startups which seems like it's now coming into real like there's all kinds of weird things going on so first of all let's give people like the big perspective if they're just kind of in the trenches they're talking to buyers and sellers they're not really paying attention to this stuff uh what's the what's the big picture of what you're seeing with with capital right now well i i thought i knew what was going to happen with the real estate brokerage world you know two or three years ago the investing world two or three years ago and i have to say like i mean I'm pretty surprised. I mean, maybe, maybe, uh, it, maybe I, I should, maybe I just didn't, didn't do my homework enough or whatever. But like, all of these companies that are coming onto the scene hard in the last few years have really like, I mean, they call I hate the word disrupt, disrupt, disruptors or whatever that is because I feel like it's overused. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely been a ton of disruption um, on the brokerage side. I mean, you have you know, people coming in like Compass or like all of these other companies that they have so much capital. I've had, um, you know, agents that I've seen agents get bonuses, like, you know, more than they would ever, you know, make the company in commissions. Um, Zillow, uh, you know, uh, Clever, um, Open Door, Redfin, all of these other companies that are just coming in. And a lot of the things that they're doing, at least on paper, don't make a lot of sense. Um, and you know every single one of these companies, they have their long-term plan, their long-term vision. And um, I can't predict like where those companies are going to head or whether or not they're going to be successful. But I'll give you an example of something that happened to me 
about a month ago, uh, we had gone out to uh, a single family property and um, we're pretty aggressive. Like when we're going to flip a house, like we go out there, we make a really good offer. This home needed a ton of work, so it could only sell to an investor. And um, long story short, we got outbid by $60,000. So I said, huh, that's strange because like, you know, the offer I made, I wouldn't have made thousand dollars if I fixed and flipped it. And um, I, I reached back out to the person who took the appointment for me. I said, can you do me a favor? Find out who that buyer is. Like they're crazy. And long story short, it was Redfin. And um, Whoa. yeah, so um, I know that all of these iBuyers are like in a lot of different markets, but they weren't at all in Boston. Redfin is the first one to come into Boston. We don't have open door offer pad or Zillow offers or anything like that. And I think there's a lot of reasons why they're not in my market. But the offer that Redfin made to this this person uh, in a town called Tewksbury, where near where where I live, uh, they're going to lose money. Um, you know, short of the market appreciating like five percent in the next couple months, they're going to lose money on this deal. And um, I've talked to so many other people that are in my position in parts of the country where all of these uh, pl players are. And they're making offers that that they're going to to lose money on, and I guess part of their plan, like a Zillow, is is that's okay for them because they're earning ancillary income on other parts of the transaction, whether they're they're doing mortgage or whether they're selling leads or whether or not they just want to get market awareness. But there's a lot of that happening both on the investor side and on the agent side. Another thing that happened hmm. to me, it's just like another example, is um, you know I've spent a lot of time, effort, energy, and money into search engine optimization in order to, to show up high for cash offer type of key phrases like you know sell your house fast and whatnot. And um, I used to do pretty well with it. It wasn't like my biggest source of uh, leads, but recently I've been kind of like looking and I'm like, oh man, like I used to be number one, now I'm number four. And I'm looking mm -hmm. at like, okay, who's one, two, and three? Because I know that like the people that are in my market typically can't compete with like what I'm doing. So I'm like, who is this? And then I look and it's a company like Homelight, a company like Clever Real Estate and all of these like big, big companies. And, and I'm seeing them spend easily i i mean i don't i want to say millions but it's way more than just like a one million or two million on their search engine optimization like really building out their sites like crazy in order to lead generate and and some of these companies are just turning around and selling the leads to me so it's huh. like from, from my perspective like it doesn't really matter but um obviously like we're losing a little bit of control over these over the lead flow and just like mm -hmm. how zillow was selling buyer leads to people for like 30 bucks and now they're like 500 um for us it doesn't seem like it would be a good thing because what we're paying now might not be what we're going to pay in three months from now right yeah exactly what, Wait, well, okay. so i want to get can i dig into that for a second um my head hurts a little bit why what, tom give me an opinion on this why do you think that they're doing this is it just a play to, to hold assets and inventory like why would why would these companies be coming in and, and paying x percent over what the property's worth now and because my thought process is this I kind of feel like the market's going to correct, right? And if it does, that means it's going to go down. So they're not—they're paying overpriced now for something that's going to be underpriced in eighteen months. Like, what's your thought? I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I can only say what they're saying publicly, which I—I I think what they're saying publicly is the truth. Um, I think, like, it, for example, with Zillow, 
they want the consumer, no matter what they're doing related to real estate, to think of Zillow first. So they don't want them to think about anybody else. They don't want them to think about me. Like even if somebody's going to sell to an investor, they want the, the person to think Zillow. So hmm. they're willing to pay to think to, for somebody to think that way. Uh, second thing that I've heard is there's a lot of ancillary income sources that they're, they're generating. So um, if somebody fills out the form to sell their house fast and Zillow buys the house, they're also pushing like mortgage products on them. And then when they actually get the listing, they're selling leads either, you know, directly for, for money to agents or they're doing like the referral model, which again is a totally different thing about like how, how Zillow and realtor.com changed their model and like totally disrupted us in the past few years. Instead of selling us leads, they're doing these like, you know, 35% off the top goes to them type of model. But um, I think it, it, like from my perspective, all these companies, Redfin, Zillow, Open Door, OfferPad, they all just have so much cash. And their number one thing right now, from my perspective, is just get as many customers as you can, forget about the cost. And like in the end, if we win, then we're going to be ahead. And so I think like you saw that like in the 90s with like the stock stock market bubble. And it feels kind of the same to me, even though like I was a lot younger then and I wasn't in the market, but it just seems like like with Compass, like I said, like I had an agent that like paid into me 10 grand for the year and Compass gave them a $30,000 sign-on bonus. So it's like, <laughs> hmm. I mean, you know, I love the agent, but I don't know. I mean, it doesn't seem like a good investment. Um, mm -hmm. So there's, there's just so much stuff like that. And it's all, it's, it's starting to trickle down even to like the mom and pops, but it's mainly coming from like these really large entities that have cash. That's so interesting. All right, really Greg. Is. So let's turn to you real quick because you're you're in the East Bay. So a lot of these companies are like in your neck of the woods. And if they expand out in the suburbs, they basically run into uh, to Big Greg. Uh, the junior grandmaster himself out there in the subs. Um, so how much how much do you run across this? The offer pads, Zillow. Uh, I like. How much do you run across the iBuyer stuff at this point this summer? Yeah, very good question, Matt. Uh, one of the things that I've seen quite a bit, and it's actually really becoming something that's irritating. Um, when you do cold calls, like I, I, I do quite a bit, uh, I'm I'm seeing more and more uh, times when it call when it comes to the. Uh, like, hey, your call is going to be recorded for training purposes because you're going to be calling Zillow. And I'm like, well, okay, well, fuck you guys too. Um, you know, so you said never compete. Now you're going to compete. And they're, they took away a lot of the, they took away all of the Zillow um, uh, reviews, uh, took away a ton of different things, at, attributes that uh, us agents really relied on. But we're seeing it as something that's really becoming something more and more that you need to uh, kind of look at. So I'm I'm 100% with Tom, man. I I, I think it's it's not going away. It's, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Because why? Like Tom said, they have way more money than you do right now. Well, there's so I, I, I would add another I, reason to that, which is that the consumer doesn't want to deal with an agent unless they have to. So unfortunately, I, I, can I just flip it though on 
like the positives and one thing that like a friend of mine is doing, which is kind of funny and interesting. So what he does, he runs a similar business to mine where he's doing a lot of seller marketing, getting into people's homes, making offers. So what he's doing is it's just, it, it makes, it cracks me up. He, when he, before he goes out to the house, he puts into Zillow, like the home to see what Zillow is going to offer. And then he sells the house to Zillow. So for example, like he knows that if Zillow is going to pay 300 and 300 is just like way too much and he can buy the house for 250, he's closing on the house and then selling it to Zillow. So, <laughs> so instead of flipping it, like instead of renovating it and flipping it to a retail buyer, he's not even doing the work and then selling it to Zillow. Interesting. And of course, like, oh, he's, he's buying it first or he's doing an assign. He's, he's buying it first. Zillow won't let you at least like, I doubt, you know, maybe, maybe you could, but I, I doubt like Zillow is going to allow for that, but he is, he is closing on them, but he knows what Zillow is going to pay. And that's like the, the funny part of it. Interesting. So he's uh so he's getting like a trickle down benefit from Zillow's <laughs> over overspending or willingness to overspend as long as the, as long as he's perceived as being the homeowner and not just a wholesaler, you know, hotel or something like that. Well, he, he is closing on it. So, yeah. Yeah. So he is the actual like homeowner by the time it gets to around to like selling to Zillow. That's really interesting. Um, yeah, that's, uh, Greg in the trenches are, are like, are you running up against people who are bringing up these, these, uh, I buyer stuff like in your listing presentations or do you no. run into that like more on the lower price points? No, not at all. Not whatsoever. Not Okay. No. So you're on the seller side. If you can get into the, if you can get into the house, at least from your perspective, it's not like you're competing with them head on. You're, you're, because that, like, they're already in like a retail mindset, right? Let's get on the market. Let's get the most that we can get out of it. They're not, you know, so like the buyer buyer isn't like really on the table. So that, I mean, that makes sense to me. Well, it, 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 it can. Yeah, it potentially could always be on the on the table. Uh, okay. The number one thing you need to do when you come come across these kind of conversations is ask a lot of questions in regards mm -hmm. to what's your biggest interest, why are you looking at doing this, you know, so I can show you how, how this works. Uh, mm -hmm. I buyer is is the shiny, sexy ob object that everybody everybody's going to look at, but in reality, it's it actually is going to cost the seller more money. So if you actually inform them in, in the regards of like, how much is this going to actually, you know, net to you at the end of the day and you break it out, then most people will be able to back away from it and be like, damn, okay, that, that sounded good, but it's not that good. It's like, it's going on, like, it's like going on Tinder and going on a lot of first dates. Mm -hmm. you, you don't know what you're going to get on. Uh, when it comes to like the, pe the people you're going to meet, because they could just be a lot full of a lot of, you know, what. Uh, and when I say new, you know what I mean, a whole lot of horseshit. Um, <laughs> I just want to get, I want to get mad. Yeah, we, we got it. We got it. <laughs> Gene's not even paying attention. Tom's no, I, just I, I, bullshit. I'm not. I just marked out another thing on Ringo. You see, sure. <laughs> I am so paying attention. You got to be. <laughs> no, but I, here's what I want to ask. I want to ask the two real estate agents on this thing. So I'm going to make a statement here, and I want you both to react to this. And then I'm going to ask you a personal question that you can avoid if you want to. Right? No, you do not ask me personal questions, James. You know, you know how no, I don't. It's, like not, that. it's not really a personal question, Greg. We do that off air. It's more of a business-related question that you might not want to divulge the answer to, right? So, <laughs> so, so a little different. But so what I hear, what I hear Tom saying is, 
excess ancillary cash that it, let's just use Zillow that Zillow has to make purchases on on properties over and above what they're really worth, thereby squeezing the real estate agent out. And I, in my head, I'm thinking yep. to myself, okay, I got a bunch of agents that are pumping a ton of money for advertising into Zillow that they're then using that ancillary cash to squeeze them out of the game on. So my question is, am I on the right track? And two is, do either you guys actually pay Zillow for leads? And again, that second question, leave out of it if you'd rather not say I'm perfectly fine with that. But I'm curious as to if my statement is on the right track and if you are, if you guys are participating in that and why not or why? Tom, to you. So whether or not we're we're buying leads from Zillow, right? So I I have never really spent a lot on Zillow leads. My business is more like seller lead based, so I've never really done it. But I I do have a lot of competitors in my market that have spent so much with Zillow, and and Zillow has has changed. They they have a flex program now. Where in in my market they're taking thirty five percent off the top uh, automatically, so they're not even like really selling that many leads in my market anymore. And I don't know if they're like heading towards like being a brokerage or what they're trying to do, but they're not even selling as many leads anymore. But I I was never heavy on the buyer lead side because I was always seller lead based. Yeah, makes makes sense. sense. Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. Greg. I'm sorry. What was the question again? I'm sorry. I have a guy you, working again, in, the back, in the background. One, do you think what I said was true about them taking the money from the agents and using it to purchase properties overpriced, thereby squeezing you out? And 100%. two, and here, here's the thing. This is what I, I want to say this to people. Like, if I was a real estate agent, I would be like, I hate Zillow. We got to put them out of business. Unless I was putting fifteen hundred a month into it and it was making me sixty grand, like I still have agents mm -hmm. that come to me and go, I go, are you doing Zillow leads? And they go, yeah. And I go, why? They go, because it makes me forty thousand dollars a month. And I go, oh, good on you, right? Like I would too. Don't get me wrong. Right. But I mean, sure. you have to do that knowing that what's what's taking place. And I'm just trying to figure out if I can make the correlation be between the two and if that's really what's happening. Because if Redfin's doing the same thing. Where are they getting their ancillary cash for? They're not as big as Zillow. They're not selling those leads, as far as I know, out to the real estate agents. So there's got to be another play there. Maybe they're raising capital. I don't know. But I'm just curious about that thought mm -hmm. process. Yeah. You know, the, the funny thing is, and, and Tom, I'm going to come back to you really quickly on this one because I want, I want to get your point of view. But for me, um, I do everything I can to kind of squish Zillow out of my marketing. I mean, I do use their data. I, their data is very, very good. Um, but... When in regards to kind of the marketing plays that we're doing is that we definitely downplay and talk a little bit of smack about what Zillow's doing because they said they were never going to compete. Now they're competing um, it, when it comes to paying for their leads. Honestly, I think that's a hundred percent asinine. Tom, give me your thoughts on that one. I mean, I don't know. I, I have mixed emotions on it because I look at it like you almost have to take advantage of like whatever the market, it, like whatever is working for you. So I know that there's been a lot of people over the years that have really like built their business that way. Um, at the same time, I know what you're saying. And I think a lot of agents feel kind of the same way about Zillow because they've definitely, you know, shifted what they've done over the years. So I, I really, I've, I've got mixed emotions on it, but I guess if, if I had to, to say, like I, if it was working for me, I would probably do it, but it never did work for me. And I never wanted it to work for me because I was seller based. So, um, I just haven't really participating in it. 
Yeah. I mean, so yeah. for Matt, I mean, if he was going to do a marketing campaign, uh, given if he was still in the real estate game, I mean, w- with his wife, Julie, and their three obese little insulin sucking troll, you know, troll babies, you know, who didn't wood. I mean, would you do a like a wood campaign or like a like a cement campaign? I mean, what would you do for that? Right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer the real question that's buried somewhere <laughs> very, very deep in the middle of that horribly insulting question. Okay, so uh, let's talk. So, Tom, let's say I'm Tom, right? And and you're losing SEO ground uh, yep. on the first page of Google to your other players. So uh, to me, I mean, you can... The, we, we had somebody on the show that's an SEO consultant that used to work at like hot pads. Like you could hire somebody like that and you could go, okay, well, let's strap on the bottle, battle armor and let's go to war and let's try to reclaim the positions. Like you, you could potentially do that. Um, maybe not, you know, the best way to go. Uh, if, if, if really, if the S like, if I talked to an SEO consultant and he said, look, if they have enough money, they'll always be you. Like if that yep. was the deal, um, then I wouldn't fight that battle. I'd be thankful that I'm still on the first page anywhere <laughs> with yep. all the, com- with all the competition. So if that was the case, I'd start going to the places where it doesn't really matter how much they spend. They can't replace they can't put a person on the ground that simulates having a personal relationship. So for example, there's still a huge opportunity on YouTube, I think, maybe not quite as much with the seller side. It's a little bit tougher to generate seller leads on YouTube than it is for buyer leads, obviously. Um, but most sellers start off as buyers. They want to get somewhere. So you're like, you're going to catch some seller leads that way. Uh, I would start looking at YouTube where you and your agents can do the videos. You can use YouTube ads to put them in front of more people and you can get around. Like you, there's a way to force, you can force it with cash. You can put it, you can get more eyeballs on your content than just with, um, uh, with something like, like other types of content, like social media. So it's easier to put cash behind it. But at the end of the day, it's based on somebody that's an actual human being that has to have boots on the ground in your area. And that is one thing that the home lights the red fins the zillows they'll ne- never be able to simulate they'll never have somebody that's like the boston zillow guy who goes on youtube is relatable does video content you know what i'm saying so i think um it, it's we've we've lived through this really interesting time in the last i would say 10 years 15 years of real estate that i've been paying attention since like 06 07 where we've had this rise in technology and agents were able to capitalize on it in various ways you had people that that got websites that were big with SEO, like Jeff Manson and Real Geeks, right? Generate millions of dollars in leads, millions of dollars in revenue. And then the tech companies realize, oh man, we got to get in on this, right? And now they're starting to do what they do best, which is take the tech back, which shouldn't really have been all that surprising. So I think it, it, there's a couple of things to me that I, that I look out for is doing the things in marketing that only you as an agent and a human being can do, right? SEO, they'll always beat you on that. They can't beat you on YouTube videos. So focus on the human things. And then as Nick Sackis, who's watching and commented, said luxury seller still wants and needs a professional agent experience. It's the two to 500K that are the tech company's bread and butter. And I think he's exactly right about that, right? Um, so if, I think if you're an individual agent, if I was in the game selling real estate right now, I'd be running for the hills as quickly as possible, like luxury, 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 like run for the high ground. Cause I think everything in the average, if it's a cookie cutter, if you can get an average loan, just push through that gets turned around and sold to Freddie and Fannie, you know, if that's, if it's that level of stuff, like that's where you're most likely to get squeezed out by technology is the stuff that's repeatable and scalable. The stuff that isn't repeatable and scalable where it has to have a human touch of some kind. To me, that's where, if I was an agent, that's where I'd be running for. So that, and it's Greg, that's, that's essentially where you live. Yeah, the luxury market, 100%, you know, mm-hmm. 
But I mean, I, I, I'm not 100% sure where your mind is coming from in, in regards to um, luxury versus affordable marketplaces. Um, walk well, me through that a little bit more. Okay. So in my mind, it would be the stuff that requires more of a human touch, either because the consumer demands it or because Matt, the deal is too Matt, complex. Matt, we all know you don't like human touch. So we can't, <laughs> we cannot rely on that. Comment, okay. It's not, I like human touch very, very much. It's the emotions. I don't like the emotions that come with human touch. It's, yeah, yeah. it's all those, it's all those sticky emotions. Oh, when you say sticky, I have weird things in my mind. Um, <laughs> But I mean, and oh, by the way, guys, all of you guys are listening. We just got the nose pinch uh, that Matt no, hates. Somebody, somebody out there has got to have Gringo by now. Uh, no, it's, it's not been yet. Tough, not yet, Gene. No, all right, all right. So. Greg, Greg didn't bring his A game today. I get it. Oh, we got, we got a lot of the stuff comes at the end of this, so don't worry. We're, I think we're in yeah. good shape. Tom, all right, so, let, Tom, so let's turn I, back I, to Tom. I, I want to personally apologize to you, my friend. Matt is uh, misbehaving, and he's going to go into timeout right now. Good. <laughs> Bye, Matt. Okay, now it's just three of us. Okay, now he's back. Okay, good. Oh, all right, Tom. So uh, so what do you guys do? Is there anything in particular you're looking at, experimenting with, anything you've got your eye on that you go, okay, if we're going to be a seller-based business and we're going to compete with all these and we're going to start running into tech companies and they're going <laughs> to recruit our agents away, uh, is there anything you just got your eye on for the future? Are you going back and doing like more direct mail? Are you doing more radio TV, like just stuff to reach the consumer directly and get around the tech company stuff? Yeah, I mean, so what we've been like really doubling down on recently is uh, is TV. And for whatever reason, they're not doing it in our market. And I think like with all this stuff, like even though we can say that Zillow or or Realtor or all these companies, they've got a ton of money, but like they're they're not somewhere like Matt, you alluded to the fact that like they can't be in the one to one kind of game. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's also even with within the paid marketing, they're not in every single medium. So like they're not. Mm, got it. And for, you know, in my market, like I'm the only one on TV that's like doing like cash offer stuff. So for now, like it's, it's been really great. And, you know, we're just going to keep like doubling down on that. But th this isn't like my first time where like something has shifted. And I think that's the other thing for the people that are listening, like in, especially in real estate. I mean, and with the, the technology, the way it's going, how fast it's going, how, how much things are changing, like whatever worked two years ago, like it may not work, you know, tomorrow. And um, so like, we're always experimenting with different things and not that we, we try to like recreate the wheel, but we're, we're looking for what other people are doing in other markets successfully. And I feel like there's always like that one thing that's working like really good, one or two things that are working really good that like people can take advantage of. Mm -hmm. uh, and right now for us, like that's TV, mailers are still working, like pay-per-click is still working. And even with SEO, like we're losing ground, but we're, we're buying those leads from those, from those companies. So at least as of right now, I guess that would be like almost like me buying from Zillow right now in a way, like the way, right. that, you know, so like I, like, I guess to answer that question, like I, I would buy from Zillow because I am buying from all these other companies that are selling me the leads. There's always an opportunity within every market. I know there's an opportunity no matter what's going on within the market to kind of like survive. And the one thing that these big companies can't do is like they're not in your local market. And so like you're always going to have that competitive advantage over them. Like somebody clicking a button from, you know, 3,000 miles away that's not in your market is going to miss something. So I, I always feel like even even no matter how much money they spend, there's a way to kind of take advantage of it. And like mm -hmm. 
like my friend in uh, in Phoenix who's selling you know properties to these companies, like he's making more than he's ever made because he found that kind of like nuance. And I think the biggest thing is like looking at other people who are being successful at whatever you're trying to do and see what direction they're going in. And there's always like some direction to go with all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, that's a mindset stuff, which, which gets into like, this is definitely getting into territory where Greg loves to talk about, but yeah, I was just, I was rereading psycho cybernetics the other day, which is always just a good idea. Just a, a policy of life just to go back and reread that book. Uh, and it was just talking about how the, like in order to find the answer that you're looking for, you have to believe it already exists. Like that's one of the most important things that when a scientist sets out to solve a problem they know has already been solved, like they know there's a, there's an answer to it, they just have to find it. Uh, their attitude is completely different than if they're solving an unknown problem or an unsolvable problem that no one's ever solved before. Um, so I think that's one of the things that, that like as agents or just anybody that's in business, that's sometimes hard to keep in mind, but the more you can kind of build up that mentality of there's always an answer. Like there is always an answer. I may not know what it is. It may be hidden. It may take some work. It may take some thought. It may take some talking to other people, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, there is always an answer out there somewhere. You just have to find it. And like you said, Tom, that's a really interesting idea of the guy like turning around and taking the houses he bought and selling them to Zillow. Like, hey, if they're going to be stupid with their money, you might as well give me some of the stupid money. Yeah. And um, the other thing I was going to say, too, is like not that like I want any of these companies to fail, but it right. is a guarantee that some of them are going to fail. Mm-hmm. When that happens, there's going to also be opportunity from that. And I, yes. don't, I don't even know what that will be because you don't know who's going to fail. You don't know like how their companies, maybe they merge with somebody else or maybe like there's just market share that's given up. There's going to be something because people, you know, no matter how much money they have, no one can run at a loss forever. And a lot of them are running at losses right now. So some yeah. of there are going to be winners and losers that come out of this in terms of like winners and losers for the companies that are huge. And then like the the smaller mom and pops like us, like there's going to be some, some way to take advantage of that. And obviously it boils down to like, you know, working your butt off, you know, following best practices and like trying to see what the opportunity is. And that's why, like when I talk to other people, like across the country, no matter what, there's somebody doing something right now that's like killing it. And just looking mm. like, is that something that I can implement into my own business? You know, cause, cause all the, all the comp, there's always going to be competition, no matter if there wasn't competition in the real estate market, there'd be no money to be made. Right. Because people mm. crowd into where, pe- where you can make money. So right. Always going to be competition where there's money to be made. And it's not a bad thing to have competition. It's a good way to look at it. I like it. Greg, you have anything to comment on that before we start winding down? No, I think that uh, a lot of the stuff that you guys are talking about, sorry, I had to take my glasses off. I had to clean them for a second. My apologies. Um, you know what? Uh, I, I think a lot of what you're saying is 100% true, Tom uh, and Matt and, you know, Gene. I think uh, the ideas that everybody has when it comes to maybe working outside the box a little bit. And again, Tom, you know, correct me if I'm wrong on this one. Uh, but if you can correct yourself a little bit and be a little bit outside the box and kind of attract more visibility, do you think that would be a bad thing for your brand? Give me your thoughts on that one. I mean, I don't think any, I think, you know, what's the phrase? Uh, all attention is good attention or it's something yeah. like, I, mean, I think it's all publicity. Yeah. 
all publicity. Well, I, I tell Matt that all the time when he runs around naked, when, <laughs> just in his you know, in his underwear down down Main Street. But he he doesn't agree with me on this at all. Hey, that that only gets me the right kind of attention, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> No. So except except when I go through Hillcrest in San Diego, then it gets me <laughs> then it gets me the wrong kind of attention. But that's okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, now like, like you know, like, to, to go back to the about like you know, would you work with Zillow or these companies? Like, I mean, I feel like if you can bring that into your company and then you're nurturing these people, like somehow, like I mean, you know, the one to one game there, like, you know, you, once you get the, that type of visibility and you're able to like build those relationships locally, because that's the thing, like, like people aren't going to have relationships with like these big entities. So if you can take over the relationship game, even if you're getting the source of the person and their contact information from somebody else, like, I think in the end, that's that's what's important. You're building your database. So, Tom, let's let's break that down down for half a second. I know Matt wants to wants to get off because I know he has to poop and probably to, you know eat or something like that. We're not sure which one and what order that's going to go in, but you know it's just, it's just Matt. We just it's just weird. Um, but I mean, and Matt just bailed on us. <laughs> Um, but in regards to building rapport, um, walk me through a little bit of rapport building in, in, in the social media realm. What would be the first thing that you would do? And Matt's back from pooping. All right. And here he is. You're not the only one that can decide when I bail from the show. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? Oh, gosh. There he goes again. Gosh, I hate it when he does that. So, Tom, uh, can you break it down for us a little bit? And all jokes aside, I mean, yeah, we joke around a lot here, but uh, as you all know, but walk me through that. Which part? Uh, building a rapport um, you know, on social media, kind of building a brand, um, you know, zero cost basis. I mean, how would you uh, recommend folks to do that? So, I mean, if you want to do social media, I mean, social media pretty much can be free. I mean, I think there's a few things that you want to do with social media. Number one, like, have your personality be out there. I mean, from my perspective, like what a lot of people do wrong with social media is they try to like make themselves like this perfect kind of person and they don't put their own personality out there. Uh, Cause at least from, you know, what I feel people are attracted to people that have a personality and whatever you like, like I would put out there and kind of magnify it. Um, and the other thing is just putting yourself out there kind of as a thought leader and thought expert which a lot of people don't do. I mean, I think the mm-hmm. biggest thing most people don't do with social media is they don't put themselves out there, period. Like they're afraid to post or they're afraid to look stupid. And um, especially with their own personality, afraid to put their own personality out there. But um, the people who are going to buy from you want your personality and they're going to buy from you because of your personality and your interests. And there's so many so- ways- yeah. So Tom, break it down for me really quickly. When it comes down to your personality, I mean, what would be a good personality? What would be a bad personality? I mean, what, 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 why would someone be afraid of putting themselves out there? I mean, do they think they, have, I mean, I, I'll be very honest with all of you guys have never seen my face when I was younger, dude, I got big ass fucking Dumbo ears, right? Yep. And I never shied away from it. And I put, I still put my photo out there. People who think they sound weird, you know, they, they don't speak perfectly. They don't have every perfect answer. I mean, how can people get over those, those parts of their mental bullshit? For well, lack of a better word. Let's put and it in terms of that, like that's, what would, and that's gene and that's Gene's vernacular, by the way. Sure. I mean, it's not mine. It's not yeah, it let's let's put it in terms of what you would tell what do you tell your agents, right? When you're trying to get them to build their own personal brand. People aren't right. 
buy from this perfect person. I mean, that, I think mm. that that that's the thing. There, you know, people are not looking to do business with this person, like in a suit that's a robot. And I think that's the, the biggest part. And like, Matt. yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what? So what? I, whatever, whatever your interests are, or whatever your personality is, like hiding that's not going to help you. Right. So, but, but by magnifying, I don't think there are bad personalities. I think it's just a matter of like who you're going to connect with. And like, if I put myself out there and I am who I am, that's going to attract a bunch of people. It's also going to repel a bunch of people. But if I come out and I'm completely neutral, it's not going to attract anybody. It may not also repel anybody, but it's not going to attract anybody. So you need to attract some, some people. So I don't think there is a bad personality. I think there's a bad way of not putting your personality out there and like, you know, just being like very plain and, and not ever like taking a stance on anything. And I think that's the part where like with, with so much like interruption that we have in our day, like, Hey, Nags popping by, I'm on my phone. Like if you're the same as everybody else, there is a 0% chance that anyone's going to remember you. So you have to be somewhat memorable in order for somebody to like know that you're even in real estate. So to me, there's no bad personalities, but there's a, a way that you can put yourself out there that's bad, which is like just being exactly like everybody else and, and just blending in. So Matt needs to go after magician, magicians, uh, musical you know, individuals. And then uh, Gene needs to go after uh, very, very bald people. Uh, well, they, I, they can relate. I see Matt put his music stuff out there all the time. And like, that's a part of him that I didn't even know about. And it's like, I feel like I know Matt better, even though he never told me he was a musician. So I, I think that that's the type of stuff that matters. It helps because people feel like they know you and then they have a conversation with you easier. Or if, if you're lucky enough that they have that same hobby, now it's like, you're really bonding. Whereas like if Matt just put out there, like, you know, nothing like, you know, whatever, you know, he, he put out something that was just, you know, people wouldn't remember. Like, I remember that about Matt because of the fact that like not a lot of people put that out there. So it's like, that's the stuff mm-hmm. I think that matters. Okay. So Tom, can you remember the first time Matt put out a uh, video and photo of him with long hair? I cannot remember the date, but I can remember <laughs> multiple pictures of me being, where I was surprised that that was him. So again, that, that stood out in my mind. Yeah, exactly. So I, that, I think that's a good thing. But I will, yeah. I will tell you that I was surprised. I mean, so yeah, even so is everybody that knows braces. Me. I mean, yeah. he had he had his back brace on. He had his braces on it on his teeth. Wait, He's rolling. Wait his a eyes minute. Wait a minute. Are you are you te- you just set me up to see the picture? Are you tell me you don't have that ready to go. I, I don't, and it's yeah. completely oh, full of shit. Right, right he, did have, he did have long hair, but he doesn't have braces or a back brace. Even though that would be phenomenal stuff to make fun of. Uh, my, my dad said oh, I looked like a ro- roadie for Led Zeppelin. So I, my girlfriend in the back in the background, she has scoliosis, and she's like, "Hey, what's wrong with having a back brace?" And I'm like, "Nothing. <laughs> I'm sorry, honey. I love you. All right. On, the, on oh, that wait, note, wait. before on, before on. Greg ends up in the doghouse with his girlfriend, let's wrap things up. Wait, wait, Matt, hold on, real quick. Just give me a second here. I want to see if there's anything on here about in uh, upsets people with scoliosis. No, uh, I don't have that on here. Yeah, I got to. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, not, it's, not, it's not on gringo bingo okay <laughs> tom what's the uh tom what's the best way for people to reach out and connect 
probably the best way is Facebook. I'm on Facebook is Tommy Caffarella. That's what people call me when I was younger. And I've never, I've never changed that, uh, socially, but somewhere along the lines, um, somebody said, Oh, you, you have to tell people you're Tom. So, but Tommy Caffarella is my Facebook. I I'm on that thing 24 seven. So that's the easiest way, you know, to connect with me. And probably the easiest is, is the messenger app on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'll and I'll contribute in here that uh, everyone should listen to his podcast, Agent Investor, which we produce, of course. Uh, but Tom interviews some of the agents around the country that are also investors, uh, either investing on the side or like half and half, whatever the case is. So if you're interested, like if you're in the audience and you're an agent and you're interested in getting into that, or you're already into it and you want to hear from people that are doing it, and we're talking about people that are like active agents who invest, not people who were agents and then left to go be an investor, so they're not selling anymore we're talking about people that are active in the business they're licensed they're selling real estate and they're investing they're leveraging their skills in both uh both ways so go listen to agent investor they can get that on apple podcast or spotify and gregory yes how should people reach out to you and why should they well, reach out to you as always matt i'm going to direct them over to your personal cell phone 402-441-1115 and that is where you can uh, they can personally book time on my calendar through your uh your your resources um but if you don't want to do that you can go directly to me you can go to 925-915-1978 and i'm i'm here just to make fun of Matt. And uh, we're going to talk about EXP. Guys, we got a lot of stuff going on with EXP. We have a whole trucking side that's coming on. It is actually really incredible. I mean, also, you can see pictures of me and my doggo like this. And even, not even Matt, he helps carry his own food. Look at that. Matt, you should be ashamed of yourself by not doing that. My gosh. <sighs> But yeah, no, seriously, uh, guys, we are looking to hire on our EXP team. We are hiring around the country. Uh, again, we have the trucking side. If you guys want to go from a small pack uh, to a big pack uh, of individuals, come join us. Don't be this, which is a dumpster fire. Um, and always, and I mean always, you guys have to go sign up for this pamphlet. Matt, what is that? <laughs> That would be my book again. So I think that's uh, that's that's the second entry on the gringo for the book. Uh, GetMicroFamous.com for me. You can learn about the book if you're on the introverted side, especially if you're in coaching consulting. That is the playbook for how to build influence and become famously influential to the right people. You can also get the links for the Microfamous podcast and learn more about our podcast production service there too. So uh, Gene, uh, otherwise known as the Genvelope, uh, were you were you smirking over there? Because did you actually get gringo on this episode? No, I'm so no? far. I'm actually surprised. He, I thought he was going to go into. Uh, uh, there was something there that I thought he was. Oh, offer to you to watch the car, and he didn't. He went to. Well, that's been right. that's been scrolling it's underneath been the episode running. the whole time. Yeah, but it's he's got to say the it. Bottom. He's got, nah, he's got to say it. You got to no, say it. Out say it. All right, so hey, hey, you guys. If you if you guys want to have a lot of fun and you want Matt to come over and personally be your 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 human servant, um, he would love to wash your car with rocks. Uh, I, I mean, with water. My deepest apologies. Um, but come on over. He he he'll he'll do it. You have two hundred and forty five very very happy customers. Uh, they have scratches all over their vehicles, and he would love to do it for you. <laughs> I don't know where this comes from. All right, gentlemen. Shall we choose a color to wrap up this episode? Give it to Tom. All right. Give yeah, it to it's, it's Tom. Give a, a color. 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 Yeah, choose, choose a color. Green. Green. All, All right. right. 
Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for watching our show. We truly appreciate it and we love you. Guys, we're going to put a bow on the show. It's going to be a green bow, courtesy of Tom, our reoccurring uh, victim, a.k.a. Matt's client. Um, and we so appreciate all the content that he brought on here, guys. Uh, we can't do this without you, so please go out there and give us a five-star, not a two-star review on any place that you guys watch or listen to uh, podcasts so that this will get out to more people. Uh, but as always, guys, until next time. Peace out, ninjas. We gone. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you take action immediately with the tactics and the takeaways that you've learned. Now, if you'd like to take the relationship to the next level with me, which I strongly encourage that you do, by the way, I want you guys to go ahead and shoot me a text. You know, it's 925 915 1978. A lot of the times, if, if people are feeling stuck or they just need a third party to listen and kind of throw some ideas at, I would love to be that for you. Take the McDaniel Challenge. Well over 400 people have taken the challenge. And you know what? It's been a positive result 99.9% of the time. Nah, I'm kidding. It's been 100% of the time. It's been a blast. And I would encourage you guys to reach out to me. I really would love to talk with you. If you're feeling a little stuck and you guys need a third party to kind of just bounce some ideas off, I'm here for you. Again, that number is 925-915-1978. And as always, peace out, ninjas. We gone.